The Recruitment Mentors community is now completely open for you to join. It's the meeting point for recruitment professionals who want to take their development and growth into their own hands. Whether you're starting out your career or five years into it, our mission is to empower you to accelerate your development with the most successful, collective, current and responsive teachings from outside of your four walls. You can now join the community for just £39 per month by going directly to our website at recruitmentmentors.com. That's recruitmentmentors.com. Your new mentors are waiting to meet you. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by James Branton, who is the co-founder of 2B Talent Solutions, which he founded with his brother in 2013. As a business, they partner with high-growth B2B tech companies across Europe and are based out of Manchester. James entered the recruitment industry in 2008, straight out of university, where he worked for one agency um, and over four years progressed from trainee to the head of uh, his division before taking the leap to set up his very own recruitment business to be Talent Solutions with his brother in 2013. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Hisham. Pleasure to be here, my man. So where we always like to start is, so in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've spoke about this before. I think, I guess overall, there's, there's certain characteristics and you've got, to, you've got to look at the type of recruitment as well, I suppose, right? So, mm. you know, depend, depending on what they're doing for contract, it might be a more salesperson for, you know, senior perm, it might need a slightly different relationship-based approach. I guess like overall, the stuff that you're going to need is, you know, good resilience. It's the usual stuff, right? So yeah. a, a very ambitious mindset, um, ability to take rejection, um, you know, sales focus. Um, but the, the stuff that kind of I think that, that works well is like, number one is I see a passion for people, right? So mm. the way we kind of look at it is that if someone's going to be six, in, in our market, and we work for a fairly senior perm market, right? So it's, all, it's a lot about relationships and, and engaging with senior people, and they're probably getting contacted by a load of recruiters, and we have to stand out with, with personality, basically. So passion for me, I think like, the ability to actually have an interest in what you're doing, to convey that interest, to have an interest in people, um, and to want to kind of make a bit of a change is, is massive. And I think that's overlooked. You know, sometimes people mm. go straight, like cutthroat, go for the cell, but, you know, really like taking your time to engage in it, understand why you're interested in it. Because if you have that why, people are going to buy into you more as a person. Um, I'm more likely to work with you. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. I think I think kind of moving on from that, I th- one thing that, that is important is like taking accountability. So basically not blaming people for when stuff goes wrong, mm. you know, owning up to it. Um, and, you know, in this game, you can go into every month with a chance to bill out, you know, 50, 60 grand or more. Mm. And that can, that could all come in, that could all drop off. Um, you've got to keep your mindset like, right, well, even if it does drop off and moving forward, I'm not going to start blaming people about what I've done here, what I've done wrong. I'll take ownership of it all. We're looking to the future anyway. Let's not get hung up on that stuff. Um, and move forward then I guess on on top of that mate like the way we do things is that like a very much a human approach so I suppose it's like emotional intelligence it's being able to put yourself in the kind of shoes of the person you're trying to engage with, whether it's a client or a candidate and try and kind of see 
see what they would want to hear. What do they want from this? Um, I think sometimes people can get wrapped up in the, what am I selling or what am I giving? But you've got to kind of take a step back and think about what, what do they want to hear from me? And it, even as like constructing an in-mail for LinkedIn recruiter, you know, it's like just making sure that you're going to convey the points that people want to hear and not all this like jargon crap that no one cares about. Do you know what I mean? It's like put yeah, yourself yeah. In, the, in those in those shoes. So that's it, mate. You know the deal. The list endless, right? But yeah, yeah. I think no, I love that. Yeah. Do you do you think? Just I think I love the accountability piece. That's something that I had to. I sort of felt like early on in my career, early on in my career, especially in sales, like I had to when I started reading like self-development books and stuff like that, that was like one of the main things that I took was like, I am completely responsible for like where I end up rather than pointing the finger at, Hey, cause that's happened. That's why I'm not here. So I guess, do you, the, the question is like, do you see that lack of accountability in consultants when you hire them or early on in their career? Do you think sometimes that can lack? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think, I guess this is like a trait that's quite hard to build, right? And you've got to be honest mm. and there's different types of accountability. So yes, you're accountable for your own learning, but then also the, you know, the team that you work with are accountable to you. But if someone, someone is like either going to blame someone for their failure or they're going to take it on themselves. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's that sort of mentality of I'm in control of what I'm doing. Yes. There's factors that I can't influence, but everything that I can, I'm going to do to my best possible way. And that's my responsibility. And if, if the stuff that you can't control fails and you move on, you have to, you have to understand that's not your fault. You get, you get past mm. it basically. So I, I've seen it. I think we, we obviously interview a lot of graduate profiles, right? And I think you can even hear like the difference in mindset, people talking through the career. Oh, you know, what, what happened to the A-levels? Oh, well, something bad happened and, and they're blaming it on someone. Whereas yeah. someone, even at a junior age, it's hard on you. But they're like, right, I take full responsibility. I, you know, I took my eye off the ball. I was enjoying the social side of it too much. Or something. We hear yeah. people say that. Say, so listen, I was, I was social sec of the of the uni. That's why I got a two too. But it's like it's someone owning up to that right from the start. And I think I think that's that mindset and that characteristic that you want it, that I want to see anyway. Is like we all make mistakes. Mm. None of us are perfect. And I think for particularly for younger people who are getting into it, own. Own, own it yourself, own, own your flaws and your positives. And that self-awareness and also that accountability will shine through for anyone, clients, candidates, or any employer that you're looking for as well, without doubt. Yeah, yeah I love that. So look, we're going to talk about your sort of journey in being a business owner with your brother, but let, let's just first start, we'll just start firstly, like, so you joined, obviously got into the recruitment industry out straight out of university. So I guess, look, always interested to hear, like, how would you describe your first year in recruitment? What was that like? Uh, it, was, it was interesting, <laughs> right? So, um, I, like, I think I'm probably like quite a lot of people. Right? I fell into recruitment. I studied law. Uh, I, di- I really didn't want to go down the law route. Is like, right, you've got to progress every year for 50 years, and then you just you get better. So they didn't want. I knew I didn't want to do that, right? But I had a, had an all right degree. And then my friend was working recruitment. He's like, I'm making good dough. I was like, it sounds like something I could do. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm keen for that. So it was actually me, me and Rick, my brother, for anyone who's watching. We joined three days apart, the same company, right? Wow. Um, but we both thought about the so I was into it. And I got put on the finance, te- finance team, as it was back then. Um, first six months, I was basically doing a resourcer role because one of my manager had an account. And then it just wasn't working right. I wasn't like, I've seen everyone else who started with me, who was billing, who was doing well. And I was like, right, you know, bugger this. I'm just going to take it on myself. So I just literally set it up without any help from the boss. I've got a list of managing directors at investment banks. 
found the number on the switchboard and just did it old school. It was just literally, wow. there, there was no, there's no LinkedIn. Even back then there wasn't that heavy on for what I was doing heavy on LinkedIn is getting like, it was old school, getting candidates from a, you know, from a, um, uh, CV like, like a, e-financial careers. I don't know what you call it. We don't use it, a job board. Right. And, um, literally just qualifying them and then specking them into managing directors. I had no idea what I was doing, but it worked and I got set up and running on that bit. So the first year was like kind of getting exposure to recruitment, understanding how it works, realizing that, yeah, I'm not going to do this resources thing. And then having to kind of figure it out myself, just literally by mapping out little markets and picking up the phone and hammering it basically. I, probably how a lot of people who are similar experience in the recruitment industry to me started, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it was fun. Like the first year was fun. It was, I enjoyed it. Like it was exciting. It was a roller coaster. You know, you're out of uni. Um, you kind of, you, you're with a bunch of other young people. The company, I mean, it was in the middle of the credit crunch as well. So it wasn't going to be easy, right? But that's what I look back now. I think if you can make success in those times, then when it's booming and it's starting to get that way now, then you can, you know, you can have a lot of success. So yeah, yeah. first year, I enjoyed it, mate. Like it was really it was, enjoyed it. it yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the dark days though early on like it doesn't have to be in the first year but because i think I, I love your positivity towards that and i can really tell that you really enjoyed it and made the most of it and stuff like that but i think yeah people want to know how did you early on in those days when you can you're a bit more prone to maybe quit or like think mm, recruitment is not for me like talk to talk to us about some low days that you really had to dig deep to to push on yeah, I mean, I mean, the low days, like I might sound positive, but looking back, it's it's always 50-50 positive and negative, right? There's some real yeah. dark days, right? But you have to, I only look back and look at the positives because that's the stuff you've learned from it. There's no yeah. point looking back and seeing it as negative. Any bad experience, provided you've learned from it, is a positive, right? But, but the, the, the dark days were bad, you know, like back then you didn't, it was, I didn't have the experience I had now. I didn't have to qualify candidates. I was you know, had people at like late stages thinking it would happen. I, had, I remember I had one month, right? And I was, I was like eight months into my recruitment career and I just moved from doing the resources. So I just set up this little market, investment management it was called, and had these two people at final stage, both 15 grand fees. And back then it was like, that was, that was big. big so boy, I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like buzzing, right? You know, you sat there, aren't you, in recruitment, <laughs> counting up your commission, you're telling all the boys on the floor, I'm going to smash it this month. And literally last, last day of the month when we were supposed to sign contracts, both dropped off. And it's just like, I was just like, oh my Lord, because you, you well, it was a lesson learned, but a lesson learned, don't talk about anything until it's done, right? Because <laughs> uh, that's what recruiters do, don't they? We sit here, we're all like buzzing off it. You're telling everyone how much commission yeah, yeah. you're going to make. Until it's done, it's done. Um, but I, I remember back then, the, the actual owner of the company was quite like a firm person. You know, I didn't mind it, but I was like, I think I always respected the way he sort of handled it all. But um, I noticed he, just, he was just like, listen, you know, make sure he's all right. Cause obviously you've lost the deals and stuff said to my boss at the time. And I just think, seems to remember thinking like, and I suppose I'm quite lucky with this was that when that happened, I was just like, right, no one else can sort this out, but me. So I'm going to have to go back even harder. Like you're annoyed for a, you know, a couple hours or the rest of the day, it was Friday. So we had some beers, but then after that, it's just picked back up, right? How can I get better? How can I do more? And I think it was actually a point, right? Is that maybe we'll talk about this a bit later or whatever, but in terms of mindset that I was saying is that if you kind of, the problem that a lot of like recruiters have is they'll have a big month, you know, they're sat there all happy and then they'll take the foot off the gas a little bit. If you can get your mindset into that feeling that everything will drop out and you have to rebound back. And if you're constantly in that mindset mm. of having to fight back and drive back, 
then that's when you create monster billers, basically. People who are always thinking, regardless of what success they've had, assume it was negative and move forward, basically. We'll talk about that in a bit type of stuff. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the days were dark, but you have to just pick yourself up. You know, it's, no one else is going to do it for you. So, so, um, so I guess ju- just, just focusing on this point a bit, because I'm sure you've now had to, in those days and, and now with your own business, but like... When you can see someone's in a bit of a funk, they've had dropouts, they've blanked for the second month in a row or whatever, like sometimes it can be really hard to sort of see that perspective, right? And that's something that, yeah, the the best recruiters get better at. So I guess what sort of things people listen to this that may be going through that now or may have experienced that, like, I don't know, what would you typically try and communicate and convey to your people, people in your team, your business, who you can see a, a sort of experience in that and going going through that firsthand what would you sort of communicate to them i mean to try and get I, I, out of it. yeah of course yeah yeah i mean it's, it's a good one and it's how you've got to manage it all I, I guess what i'd always say is that th- th- there's two things first of all remember like you got this job you've done this job if you've not had success before you know if you if say if you've not had if you're just literally brand new and you're struggling with it all remember that you went through an interview process and they like for it think about all the good traits that you have that you're good at mm. reflect on yourself you know be grateful for the fact that you've got the opportunity stop looking at external things to blame or whatever it may be but focus back on it and the way i kind of do the team is like you have to make sure that the if you believe if i believe in one of the team and and they have a bad patch then it's up, it's up to me to convey to them like this and you know we, we believe in you we value you you are good at this it's trying to bring back that positive mindset um but i think yeah it, it you know it's it, it's a tough one i think good coaching um trying to not get too wrapped up in it once you start getting into a bit of a funk you start making mistakes right or you start forcing the issue and that can lead you into a bigger funk so the, the way i'd kind of look at it is over a weekend or whatever have a reset do a little bit of an exercise. I think like showing gratitude or thinking, I know it sounds a bit mad for some people, but think of all the good stuff that you've got in your life and then come back, reset, restart afresh. Either think back to what you've had success with before, talk to your manager about how you can make things better. Um, but remember like, yeah, don't get too wrapped up in it. The, the, the negativity breeds negativity. So any way you can try and get it out of your mind um, and reset yourself and come back stronger and focus on the key things that you were good at, that you've had success in the past that you might have forgotten about. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such no, a, it's a tough, it's a tough question, mate, because everyone gets down about different stuff, don't they? So it's hard to actually gauge that one. But, you know, from a leadership point of view, good coaching, positive, positivity, helping out with any training that they need, uh, reassurances that you, you, that you rate them and, and don't create a positive, don't create an environment where if someone isn't doing well, they they feel like the, like the black sheep of the company, you know? Um, mm. The fact is, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, um, no, I think what you said is great. I think it's basically to to put that all together. It's that yes, look, it's absolutely fine to be in a funk. That's fine. Like it, go through that. But I think what you do want to do and how you're going to get better at making sure you snap out of it is finding the things to focus on that you did do well, or finding the things to focus on that you're grateful for, or whatever. And you, you it's like a muscle, isn't it? Like you, it's like now, if you've always tried to find those things, as soon as something bad happens, you're just going to be quicker at finding the things that. You can't the positives you can take away from it and stuff like yeah. that. I, tell, I think that's then, really good advice. Yeah, and couple that with set little goals, right? So you know, 
the goal might be to 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 get a fee to do a deal but right that yeah. might be that might seem so distant that your mind can't even believe it yeah so so set little smaller goals to reach that and then plan that so every day every week you know you're going towards that target and that'll create a more positive mindset rather than just focusing on the stuff the fact that you might not have any money on the board or you blanked for a few months whatever it may be yeah, little, yeah. L- little wins that'll keep the positive mindset basically yeah i love that so look Quick final question really on sort of you being employed before we go into starting your own business. I guess what, what I did notice and what a lot of recruiters aspire to who listen to this podcast is, is to progress their career, right? Is to get that promotion, is to become that leader or director or whatever. So I guess obviously notice that you progress quite quickly. Um, it seems like you really took the initiative to to do things and um and take action. But I guess why why do you think James was the person that was able to progress and, and get to that head of position? Um, I mean, head of position. I was only managing a team of two. It was more for the more for the LinkedIn. <laughs> but but you know, in, in reality, I, I I did like from scratch set up two markets, and the last one was the one we ended up leaving the business, and we kind of based our company at the moment on it all. But yeah. I think um, what, what 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 helped me out was um, I had, I've got an inquisitive mindset. I want to understand how things work. Um, I love like I love talking to people and understanding that, like listening to them as well. I think not just talking to mm. people; it's understanding more about those guys. Um, and I think. I've got a little bit, I like, I, 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 it's that, it's probably built into a lot of people or you can maybe train it, but I, I've got no problem with working hard. Um, but I am a little bit lazy, right? So I'm always trying to think, how can I work smarter? How can we do things better? How mm. can we like, how can we reduce the workload, right? So if you, if <laughs> I know it's a bit mad, right? But if you're, if you had to be as efficient as possible, because you're lazy as possible, I know what I'm saying, right? But how, what things would you focus on? Right, well, then, then, you focus on all those things when you're not lazy, it'll just go, it'll, it'll go crazy. So try and, I was always looking at different ways in which I can stand out from other recruiters that were pestering them or bothering them. Do you know what I mean? Or any way mm. I can make an impact with these guys. Um, and that was like, it's just little stuff like remembering birthdays. It was following up. It was asking questions, making notes a bit about the family, about the friends, about anything that's coming up, something that's going to make them remember me and want to work with me in the future. And I think these were the things. And then, then I guess on top of that, what I learned pretty quickly after that first thing I was telling you about when those deals dropped out is like, be straight with your processes and understand how to do that. So that was another thing. Don't get caught up in the, what could happen, focus on what is happening and what will happen. And then, you know, keep looking forward rather than, rather than looking back, I suppose. Mm. Um, okay. So, so far, final point on this then is like, I guess knowing what you know now, what, what advice would you give that sort of James straight out of uni, got the law degree? What what advice would you give him going into that first recruitment job? Um, I mean, I'm looking back, at I wouldn't really change too much. So, I mean, just just keep 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 doing what you do. I think you know, in, in hindsight, look, in hindsight, I'd have you know looked at a different market earlier. I'd have I'd have you know been more focused but you le- you're learning as a person I, I, it's hard for me to say issue because yeah. i wouldn't change i wouldn't change too much right because everything was part of the learning but i think anyone who's who's early in the recruitment um phases you know and if, if they're having a good time keep focused work even harder be that you know be best don't stop don't look at anybody else around you just focus on your stuff mm. and if you're having a really tough time i guess assess assess everything around you are you having a tough time because you know, you're not getting the right support. Look at the external factors. I'm not saying blame someone, but it might be that you're not right for that that situation or that market, wherever it may be, or it might be that you're just not like doing the right thing. So, trying to keep that self awareness about what's going on with your career, mm. basically, that'd be my advice. I love that. So, 
a lot of people think about starting a recruitment business, but not a lot of people make that first step. So talk to us about what, what gave you the courage to take that first step? Because how old yeah. was you when you started, when you took that first step? 26. Yeah, so talk to us about what, what gave you the courage. What, why was you able to take that first step, do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, the courage is more born out of having a problem with authority, right? So <laughs> uh, I, think, I think, no, listen, right. So the company that I worked for, um, you know, now they're doing really successful, so I can't say anything bad about them. But I think at the time, you know, they'd come out of a credit crunch. It was the, the company was expanding, but there probably wasn't a massive focus on kind of employee development, right? On yeah. you know, a career path and all this sort of stuff that is, is important now. Um, so I, I guess on top of that, so I was having success in the market. They, they wanted to be very heavy telephone based. Our market required more relationship based. There wasn't switchboards to get through to. You had to be good with your written word, with your emails and relationship building. Um, so I guess it was wanting to do things more our way. So being a bit stubborn, having a problem yeah. with like not really being nurturing the, the career path and the staff but then also wanting to make all the money for ourselves instead of making commissions. So, you know, it comes to the point, I'd done, only done it for, it was actually three years I'd done it for. And yeah, we just thought, right, this feels like the right time, you know, um, and okay. took the plunge. But I think we've always, like, my brother and I have always been pretty confident back ourselves. And um, I think on top of that, yeah, the, we, I knew the market was going to go off. So we were like, right, well, if we don't do it now, then we could just, we could never yeah. do it. There's never, there's, basically, if you see the opportunity, anyone who's watching this, take that opportunity. You can always go back into a recruitment job, but go for it if you get the chance to go for it. Yeah. So just to just to frame it up for people then, so just to paint a picture. So obviously you started the business, you and your brother, and then obviously it's been going for what? How long now? Eight years? Is it when that looks eight, fine? Eight, eight years, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so really solid amount of time. So like just paint, I know there, I know there would have been peaks and troughs, right? But obviously it was just you two at the beginning, how long was it just roughly like just you two? And then where are you like today as a business and, and, and stuff like that? And then we'll dive into parts of this journey. Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah, I'll give you a little a bit of a heads up, I suppose. So the, the idea when we set it up was kind of, you know, we didn't really know how to scale a company or anything, right? So we just thought, right, what we'll do is we did it on a shoestring. We'll set ourselves up pretty much exactly like we were working before, but in our own little windowless Regis office. Um, yeah. And... and in all honesty, mate, for the first few years, it was just about like perfecting our craft with how we did recruitment. It was about uh, building up our financial resources. So we've never had any external investment or any debt as a business. So it was about, right, th the main driver was never wanting to work for anybody else again, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing you're thinking about. And then that develops from there. It's like, right, well, the market's really good. Um, we have a lot more freedom to do things as we want to do it. And we have a lot more freedom in our lives as well. So for the first few years we um and i've got i suppose we've got a good point on this one for the first few years we just worked rick and i and then it came to the yeah. point where we actually tried hiring a couple of people and despite i was leading a small team um, the old company it didn't really have any experience of building a company right so yeah. um we tried hiring a couple of people and we and you know they, they, they did okay but we didn't we didn't know what we were doing in all honesty. We just thought, right, it was a bit finger in the wind and guaranteed a lot of people will be doing the same stuff. And so what we started doing, we started attending networking events. And as part of the networking events, we found a couple of people who were just brilliant, who now consult with us, much more senior, who have been there and done it all. And essentially the, the, the learning from it is to 
to go and get the advice, right? If you don't know it, go and seek it out. People out there will tell you how to stuff with your recruitment mentors. Mm. Anybody who feels like they don't know something, go and seek out that advice, right? Um, mm. Go and find people to do it. Um, and if you can, you know, that's what we go to these networking events and have a bit of fun, listen and learn and find people who are more senior than you are, have been there and done it, get them to like you and hopefully then they'll give you advice either for free or for cheap. And that's, that's a bit of a plan <laughs> with it all. But w- one point I wanted to make, right? So the, the thing that, I'd say to anybody who's in the state of maybe thinking about going their own, right? Setting up on their own is stick to your brand of recruitment, right? So everything that's got you where you are, stick to that and stick to it religiously, right? Because that's how you do things. That's what you've got successful for and how you've been able to do it. If you're thinking about then moving to set up a business and your plan is to scale it, but you haven't scaled a company before, get advice. I think for, for, for me, like one of the probably mistakes that we made was that when we set the business up, I always thought recruitment is like, everyone's a bit gray. It's all a bit like, you know, I didn't really have any mentors in the recruitment world that I respected. And I probably switched off from getting advice mm. because I thought they'd try and change the way we were doing our recruitment. When, I, when our brand feedback from clients was brilliant, what we were doing was amazing. But what I should have done in hindsight is, you know, not as been as maybe arrogant or stubborn and then yeah. under, understood I don't know how to scale a business. So now go and get that advice. So that's probably what would have delayed things a little bit, but we learned pretty quickly when we had a bit, it was about a year of trying and then we started attending networking events. So I guess to bring it back, we probably, it was about three and a half years of just working by ourselves. Yeah. Then, then we tried hiring a little bit, didn't work out. And then over the last two and a half, three years is where we've been. Really giving it a go. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just when you sat there and you know it in your head, but once someone who's been there and done it explains it to you, you're just like, oh my God, that's so simple to understand. You know what I mean? It's like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? <laughs> and then it's like, why? Yeah, yeah. This, knowledge is so important. And then, and then, then once you know that, then you put in all the little things that, and then you make it personal to you. You get the knowledge and then you make it personal to you. But at the start, I just thought, right, ignore everybody. We're doing it our way. But we should have been more, like open to ideas and more about learning and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, no, and, yeah, yeah, really, really appreciate the honesty on that. So I guess just, just let's just, let's just zoom in on that for a second. Cause I, I think I'd like to think the types of people that would start a recruitment business it today would be more open to take, cause there's just so much more stuff out there that you can learn from compared to when you started in recruitment. Do you know what I mean? It was, it's a lot, it was, would have been, even when I started in recruitment, it was like in, in 2016, it would have just been a lot more easier sure. to be insular and just take everything that you know about recruitment within your four walls. But I guess there's also a lot of people that give you bad advice, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's just talk about like, I know you said you went to networking events, got that. So you put yourself out there, gave yourself more opportunities, you and your brother to meet people, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess, I don't know, talk to us a bit about what people can do to make sure that they're getting the right advice. I don't know. What did you make sure that you found out about this person? Or what did you, what did you, did you have any sort of maybe non-negotiables on what this person's experience had to be like that gave you confidence they could help you? Do you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah, that, yeah. that could be some good advice for people listening that could seek help, but then maybe they don't want to get the bad advice. I'm not sure on on that yeah, front. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen, the, the first thing you'd look at is whoever you're dealing with, what's their track record, right? I, th- mm. I think even before that, do you connect with this person, right? Is the person yeah. that's offering help or you want to get help from, do you personally get on with them? Can, do you have that rapport where you can be honest with each other, you can talk to each other, you can give a bit of, get a bit, and they're open to discussion as well. Um, I think then um, 
things you can do is then, like I said before, look at their background, right? Has someone been there and done what you want to do or are they doing it a bit differently? Um, and then I guess like the, 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 the final thing about getting bad advice is if you feel that the advice you're getting isn't right, typically your gut is going to be yeah. right, right? Okay. There'll be things that maybe you're not comfortable with that will help your business that you'll have to change. But if you feel something isn't quite right, talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your family, find other mentors as well to cross-reference it on. But the more help you can get, the better. And the more people you can reference it with, the better. Um, and then just start building your little network. You have friends in recruitment, other leaders, an ex-boss, whatever it may be. People can pick up the phone to and you say, listen, it's running this past year. Is that okay? So the, the more people to reference it from, I guess, is a key yeah. thing. Get, getting on with the person, um, seeing their background, see if they can, they've done what you want to do with your business because everyone wants to do like different stuff, right? Um, and then, you know, keeping your network open and referencing it for advice, basically, I'd say. Mm. Okay, I love that. Talk to me about what's it been like? You must have a good relationship with your brother. Yeah. You guys not fallen out before? What's, what's Mate, the deal yeah, there? Yeah, like, we're trying to tell everyone when, when, when they start, like, what's that working with your brother? Like, well, we like, we chill on weekends. Like, it's the, um, it's the Grand National on Saturday and um, he's just coming over to mine. We're going to get like a pork joint in the, uh, in the oven for 24 hours. We're going to get, watch the races, have a few beers. We like it. We have a, we have a good mix to be fair. What's the age like, difference? Only 14 months. So yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm the younger one. He's the older one. <laughs> he, he, he just tells me what to do and I do it basically. That's why it's the relationship. So good. So, um, but no, we, we, we have, we have a good set of mate. And I think, um, I, th I think what, what's that come for us from the relationship, right. Is, is, the fairness we, when we were kind of brought up everyone in our kind of friendship circles come around to our house and chill out we treated everyone well we looked after everybody and i think as we grow the company one of our main focuses is on looking after the staff making sure they're kind of treated in the fair way make sure respect's massive we're not going to have any people like bitching or moaning about stuff or address mm -hmm. issues that we have but one, when people see that's how we interact with each other as the founders of the business and we have that built into our dna then it kind of sets a nice tone for everybody else as well so yeah listen wait, we argue bad we've had times when we're driving into manchester and he's jumped out the car because we disagree on something <laughs> and he's literally walked into the office i've done the same to him so you have the fiery times but that shows passion so you can't you can't you can't like hide away from that, but yeah, we like yeah. it. You know, there's, there's, there's ups and downs. There's always going to be ups and downs, but the positive is that, you know, not, no, neither of us are going anywhere. Um, yeah. you can trust it all, but it does, it sets a nice tone in the office for everybody else. You know, that's how we interact. We treat people like each other. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah, respectful. No, absolutely. So let's just, let's just like, I, I want to dig into, cause like a really popular question I always get is around sort of asking questions to people like yourself who have, sort of yo-yoed with the people the amount of people you've had in the business and the difficulties you've had sort of hiring for your own business that always seems to be like a common challenge and common thing that people find difficult but i guess something that that would be really relevant for people that are also sort of employed is like how did you go about because i'm assuming you had covenants right so i guess at the beginning of this journey so i guess how did you go about building a market from scratch and like, I don't know, what was your approach there? What ended up being sort of the most successful way that you and your brother got off to a good start and how long did it take for you to do your first deal and things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, so there's two, two questions there, right? So listen, do you want me to talk about the, the building the market bit? Yeah. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. If you start there and then you remind me of the rest of the questions because I forgot. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. tell me, right? so for me, building the market was, I enjoy that, right? That's something that I, that, that, that I like to do. So I guess what I'd always do is find your little niche, right? Whatever that's going to be, what, what you're going to be focused on, um, you know, map it out, research it, 
um, then what we did is how business. niche should it be? Let's just talk about that because I but think I, that, I, you always I, hear that, don't you? Like how how niche yeah. should it be? It, 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 that's such an open question because you know the the the, the niche the better if that's even a, a phrase. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think like the, the the difficulty is is that you've got disciplines right, and then you've got like types of companies and sectors almost, haven't you? Like as a, as a yeah. Uh, so you might you might have sales and marketing as disciplines, but then you might have that for you know, loads of different vertical companies, right? Yeah. So typically what I'd be looking at is get one or two disciplines in one like vertical. So when we when we set the business up, it was fintech, it was online payments. So we were like, right, all we're going to do is commercial people, salespeople for online payments companies. So in a way, that's a niche in itself, right? Because, okay, yeah, I got you. And then you've got location as well. So we set up and we just did Europe-wide. And in reality, we we're probably going too far. Like mm. if you think about if if you've got to research where that where there's a demand for it all right so and and you've got to kind of map out the market from a talent standpoint which would help right is there enough people is there enough movement in this market you know, is the people to move between different jobs then the, the key thing we've always done i'm kind of waffling on a bit here but the key thing we've always done is speak to the people in the market right we've always worked with high growth startups and scale-ups so speak yeah. to people in the market and understand who are the new players that are coming through who are the companies that are changing the game who people are admiring you might just hear it from a couple of people right but if you hear a name that's coming up a couple of times and research that company and spend your time trying to work with that company it might take a month it might take six months it might take a year our best client took me two years of pestering to work with. And since then with those guys, we've made over 90 hires across Europe. Um, the companies started off with just one office in the Netherlands. And now it's, I think they've got 25 offices worldwide. They're worth 60 billion on the, on the, they listed a couple of years ago. And they're one of the best companies out there. But that's because I started picking up on people, hearing about them, talking about mm. them. And I was like, right, chief commercial officer, I am going to be working with you in, in, uh-huh. in the next couple of years, so whatever it may be, and then build relationships with those people. It's very easy in, in recruitment to just pick up work and be like, right, now I'm just going to work on anything that's out there. Focus your time. You, you might need to do that at the start, particularly setting your business or your desk up, but make sure you get back to this niche, right? And this is kind of the message that we've, a lot of what we've been doing over the last sort of year and a half is narrowing our focus a lot more. So Really, like before, we were working across five European countries, and everyone, every consultant might be doing those five European countries, and then the disciplines within that sales, marketing, custom success, and everything else. And now we'll just have someone on one country in one discipline, in one yeah. sector of the market, and get deep rather than wide. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's has that had a positive effect then? Like, how has yeah, that without, helped your guys? With, without a doubt, because, like I said, when you're in recruitment, it's quite easy to get distracted and just take on work everywhere you know yeah oh, we can fill that all right we can try and do that we can do that but you end up kind of going around in circles if you stick to one focus in one area you'll build your reputation in that market and you treat people well and then you'll find out that you'll get a role on and guess what you've got the whole candidate market covered for that and this is obvious stuff but for people starting up when you might be like the market's growing so much or you're trying to get different stuff. You you might know, focus, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But narrow it. And, and it is, it takes, it takes balls to turn down a role that might pay X amount. But if you think about it, if you're focused on Germany, for example, yeah, and you're doing enterprise salespeople, say in just in Munich, for example, one city in Germany, yeah. if you just keep focusing on that, but someone goes, all right, I'm in Paris. I've got this head of marketing role. It's paying 120K, you know, we'll pay you 
the big fee for it all. It's tempting to focus on that, but in that time you spent on the other role, you're not focusing on your key market. You, you, the time mm-hmm. that you're spending elsewhere is not spending on the key market. So th- there's always going to be a balance, right? You've got to try and hit your numbers for stuff, but as much as you can focus on the the area and, and, and the niche that you can do and, and understand that the time that you spend away from that is time where somebody else is in that market building the relationships that that uh, you should be building. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Look, the, no, I'm really glad you went into that because I know a lot of people just really interested in like, yeah, how much should I focus? What should my niche be and, and things like that? But the, the only other question, because I think it's just good context for people because it'd be something they're worried about was how long did it go? How long would, did it take from you and your brother setting up to getting that first invoice paid? Yeah. Um, so we, we, yeah, that was it. We, we, we budgeted for, for, we had a small bit of money, but we budgeted unrealistically for to last us nine months um, because what we were doing was quite like senior perm stuff. It was taking, on average, it was taking like six weeks for the interview process to happen. And then, then notice period, then start date, then invoice. That's the way we were doing it back then. Um, but we got quite lucky from that. So we, we had like, we had, we made, we set up in February and then we did our first deals in, um, in April, early April. So we had oh, the, 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 the first deal was a person out of work. He was ace guy actually back in the day. I remember him. He's a really cool guy. Stay in touch from time to time, uh, but out of work, um, perfect match the interview process took a week and a half basically and then he was starting <laughs> the following week so we just like get in there absolutely <laughs> and then we just kind of we, we picked up that we did have covenants in place but because i set the market up at the last company the the um the 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 clients weren't getting the service no one knew what they were doing that well back at the company so they reached out to us directly and in the covenant, if they reached out to you, that, that covered it off. So in the yeah, meantime, yeah, in the downtime we had between setting up, there were messages saying what's going on with it all. And then, mate, it just boomed. Like, like we said, every, every bit of hope that we had that did go, like you know, seeing the market and taking the risk, just went, went to plan for that first bit. And we absolutely nailed it in our first year. We, we set the business in February, and we'd not really taken any holidays in the three years we did recruitment. We were in Dubai in May for my birthday on a holiday, mate. That's like, this Here is the one. <laughs> and then we had a great first year. And then second year, literally standard. We were loving the success. We had a dry year, mate. Like we, we, we just took our eyes off the prize. We were young. We were enjoying the success. And that was a lesson learned. We, like, we stopped doing all the things. We stopped working as hard. Basically just started enjoying our lives more and not really yeah. focusing on recruitment. And that, that will happen. You'll have those periods. That, and that, that was a lesson learned. Like don't fall into that trap of thinking everything's comfortable. It didn't affect us in the long run, but it got pretty close at times. Like we might, yeah. like, we might, we might run out of money or whatever. So um, it, we got quite lucky in that aspect. But I, th- I think, again, that's because we spent so much time trying to work with these businesses previously. And we built mm. put the personality side into it. So they wanted to work with us when it came to it. Um, um, but yeah, I, suppose, I can't remember what your question was. Hopefully that answers it. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. So look, I guess, look, let, let's dive back into the last few years then where you've really tried to go on this journey of like growing your business, right? You've got advice, you're, you're investing in yeah. um, things and, and stuff like that. So I guess what, obviously we've been quite positive. So let, let's just talk about what have been, since you've been getting advice and really giving this a go and growing this business, like what have been the sort of number one and two biggest challenges for you? Um, the biggest challenges, I suppose, would be adapting to, to, to new ways of doing stuff, right? So I think previously when we were doing it ourselves, we were never really metric driven and we're still not a heavy KPI business, but using those metrics, right, 
to, to manage for the future, look back over the time. What had we done at times of success? What do we need to do mm. in the future? That takes a bit of time and effort, you know, um, and adapting yeah. to that mindset, not trying to go too like religiously, you've got to hit this every single day because we're hopefully hiring good enough people that could do things and learn the way and there are different approaches, but adapting to the, to the metric side of it. And I think, well, honestly, the, the leadership side of it, we hadn't really had much leadership experience. And mm. What have you found most difficult about that then? Because like you said, you've, you and your brother got the DNI or um, DNI, DNA of looking after people, being kind, empathetic. Like, so I guess what have you found most difficult? Have you found it difficult to maybe, I don't know, maybe make the hard decisions because they've become like a bit of a mate or I don't know, what's, what, what, have, you, what have you found difficult on the leadership side? The, I, th I think the things that found difficult or where, where we're perhaps getting better at it now is just communication with everybody. Um, I think, again, you know, like we said at the start, putting yourself in someone's shoes. So as a, as a junior person, what do you want to know? You want to know exactly where you stand. You want to know what you've got to do to have success. And you want to be yeah. you know, going to know, like, you don't want to feel like you're just doing something that's a, that's a waste of time or you don't know what you're doing, basically. So over communicating is is key okay. when, it com when it comes to leadership making sure everyone knows where they stand everyone knows how to progress everyone knows how to have success um and then you have that channel and you treat people with respect that leads to kind of more respect back and that that's a really good leadership trait there's nothing worse than if you sat at your desk and you manage just like well you know get on the phone it's like, well, give me a little bit of help, understand why behind it all and how do we get that there? And so many people will go through that. Like we have we have regular just monthly sit downs, right? Every month people have quarterly or they have six monthly. It's so easy as a leader to just to sack that off. Oh, you know, we'll do it another yeah. day. And it doesn't happen. But that 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 really gives people, I suppose it makes the message clear on what you want from them and where they are. And it gives them the energy as well to, to succeed themselves. So communication is one of the biggest things, I think. Yeah, there's been times where you make tough decisions but i think then if you're if you're obviously hiring inexperienced people as a leader you've got to stay on top of what they're doing not micromanage them but you've got to know you've got to keep a good mind out and again that's communication if you you can someone can see, see seem like they're being dead quiet you know they're not making any noise but actually they're doing a load of good work so you can track that that's communication again don't just sit there getting annoyed because they're not on the phone they might be doing yeah. some really valuable stuff in the in the meantime so again that's communication from them to you as well so mm. just keeping that keeping those channels as clear as possible is like you'll, you'll mess up because people become disillusioned they become annoyed that they're not getting co communicated clear enough to um and everyone wants that everyone wants to be communicated to well they want to know where they stand and i think that's the key thing for sure yeah Mm, no, no, I think, and I think that's that's become even more important in the sort of remote in the office at home as well, right? So, I guess look, you've spoken really highly of getting advice and that being quite pivotal for you. So, let I'd be stupid not to ask you, like, what have been like maybe what's been like the most impactful piece of advice that you've applied to your business that you probably would have had to learn the hard way. I don't know what what when I say to you, what have been the sort of most instrumental one to three things that have really enabled you and your brother to push the business forward that maybe would have taken you another two years to work out. What what comes up for you? Joe, in all honesty, right, the the the, the main thing, and it's pretty much the single thing, is the the thing that we'd have maybe figured out one day, but still we could be sat here doing the same stuff. And if you want to scale your business right is you need to have quite a few different things set in place, right? So you have to be clear on your mission or your purpose. So what is it that you want to do, right? And you have to be able to convey that to, 
to employees, to candidates, to clients. This is our mission, yeah. right? Then you need your vision. What is the blue sky thinking? What was it like in five, 10 years? How are we going to get there? Right. And then you need your values is what makes you, you, you hire from those values. You live by those values. You, you know, you, you incentivize people based on those values. You make sure that that culture is born out of the, the values that you set. Cause it's great. It's very easy for anyone just to go, oh, our cultures, you know, we're pretty relaxed. We're pretty cool. Um, we'll take it easy. But what does that mean? You know, what does that come down to in behaviors? And if you list those behaviors and then get them down, it might be quite a lot of different ones, but then interview people off those behaviors. That's how you mm. create a scalable model. That would be one thing. So the mission, vision, and values, it's a clear thing. And I didn't know anything about this, right? Until we started discussing it all. Um, I think second and I think of people, all, just quickly on that, because like we're just being honest here, like where you are as a business, because where are you, how many of you are there at the moment? So the seven of us now, and then we've got another person starting end of the month, and then we're looking to get two more on as well as soon as possible. Yeah, because I think like, I feel like someone listened to this or someone in where they are is that they may think, nah, that's for bigger companies. So I just wanted to highlight that, how much of an impact yeah. that's had for you. And actually, you're a small growing business, and that's been one of the most impactful things that you, you still needed that despite how big you are. Do, do you yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's absolutely, it's unbelievable. Yes. It's like, it was, it was essentially transformational, right? And it's the most simple thing, but it is. And it makes sense. This is what I was saying about those light bulb moments. You're like, why have I not done that already? You know, it's obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another stuff there is get a, if you if you're a business leader looking to grow, get a clear career path so people know where they stand in the business. Black and white yeah. achievables on how they get to where they want to be. Um, I, th I think another thing I suppose we're doing this already, but act like you're the bigger company already, right? Get your mm. systems sorted out. There's a balance. You can't spend all your time sorting out systems, but act like you're a bigger company. Put in the tools, place ready to scale. If you if you want to scale your business, right? Think about how we can get there. So. Um, you know, put the, the processes in place, like the systems that you want. Make sure that's scalable. Um, get a CRM if you're just doing it on spreadsheets. Get an applicant yeah. tracking system. Um, I think also, and potentially like advice I'd give to any younger company that can set up is focus on marketing, but don't put too much into it. Get your basics set up, right? Get your shop window looking good. Get you get you get a few sales documents sorted out. You know, get your product proposals, whatever it may be. But don't stress on the marketing too much. The marketing will come down from from you dealing with your customers, right? Um, yeah. Later down the line, you can you can you can deal with your marketing. But people who are very particular about their brand can go and spend so much time focused on marketing and trying to make things look good that they actually forget I've got to bring the money in here, um, yeah. and and you end up kind of making a big mistake by. It's exciting, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's my brand. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah. we'll, like, You'll spend half a day going, should we put the logo here? Should we put the logo there? <laughs> put the logo there? I bet you've done this with a group of mentors, right? You're yeah, like, yeah. How does it look? How does it look? And I saw a LinkedIn update the other day. It was like, never has anything more profound been done in marketing than moving the logo a little bit to the right. You know? it's, like, it's like, it's like yeah. a joke. So, um, yeah, I, th I think kind of your know, backtracking is get, get, act like a bigger company, get all your vision and your values in place. So you have the core behaviors, get a career path. Um, get your marketing, but don't take your mind off what you need to be getting done. And that's getting yourself out there, building relationships with good people and, you know, essentially make, bringing revenue in. Uh, don't ever take your mind off that. And that was what feed the company in the future. Yeah, nice. And look, I ho hopefully you don't mind me asking this, but again, people might be thinking about it. Like, you don't have to give us the exact figure, but what, what's been the sort of guide investment for you to get advice or monthly support? Because what, what's, what's been the relationship that, that you really got value from? Has it been like, the sort of NED 
point of view or has it just been like a consultant that you've engaged with do you know what i mean what's been the sort of actual financial investment because some people may be thinking well I'm, i've spoken to people before and they've charged way too much money so like what, what tell us a bit about that if that's okay yeah i mean like there's there's Different ways to look at it. I, th- I think um, the, the relationship, just to answer the first part of your question, has been a, an NED slash consultant style okay. relationship. Um, I mean, the, the investment um, can fluctuate, obviously, depending on the amount of time that somebody puts in. Um, but, you know, a, a really good non exec director out there is probably going to cro- co- cost anywhere between maybe a thousand pounds or 750 a day to two thousand pounds a day depending okay. on how they, how they gauge their time. Um, and you might not, you might need that person a couple days a month at the start. You might need them a half a day, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. My advice firstly would be try and find people that will give you advice for free. So yeah. get, use your personality, you know, engage with these people, um, try and get little snippets of info, you know, the big stuff that you might need. Uh, but when it becomes apparent that you don't know what you're doing and you've exhausted all your other channels, do that first, then you can start maybe finding someone and getting that arrangement where you pay them, basically. Yeah, awesome. Now, thank you for sharing that. And on on the investment side of things, um, people always like to know, like, what, what's been some of the sort of best tools or services that you've invested in as a business in your journey so far, out of interest? Um, that have either helped you or helped your, that really helps your consultants? Yeah, I think... Um, HubSpot was a big one for us. Okay. So it's um, CRM. So so we we have we use Bullhorn as an applicant tracking system for all the candidate yeah. stuff. But for the um, I suppose the, the the client development side of it, HubSpot's been ace because you can you can put all your contacts on there. You can get different tools. Like there's there's it's a really it's really, it's a really good CRM to be fair. Um, but there's a, little, little, a small tool which was which was really good is that we found that we kind of the, the way t- we typically work is we'll take a brief on for from a client we'll go and do a search yeah. then the good people that don't get the job will actually market them out to good to good businesses right take a more proactive approach with, or specking out as people call it um, in our market like I said before a lot of it isn't done on switchboard and there is numbers that you have but it'll be a good email so what you can do on HubSpot you can get these things called sequences and everyone might, might already know this but and it was about two years ago we set it up but you can write your initial email and then you can set automated follow-ups to that email as up to 10 and pick the time and date that you want to send them. And what we were finding when we were doing marketing candidates out was actually maybe the second or third time that we followed up with them saying, hey, did you have a chance to check out that profile? Mm. But then, they, then they were getting back to us. Now, if you can automate that and you can automate that. So at the start of the week, you can organize all of your BD or on Friday, you can organize all of your email BD for the following week. You don't have to lift a finger. It's going to lead to a lot more a lot more save time um, and a lot more efficiency with how you're working. So that was a good tool. Um, I think like, you know, the other ones like, you know, everyone uses LinkedIn, don't they? LinkedIn recruiters are mm. amazing for that stuff. But you know, then the, the tools, the, the, I suppose the tools is like the people, isn't it? The people that you're, you're training and we train our guys to get referrals for a lot of candidates, right? So asking your network again, use your personality to get them to give you information. And that's what, that's the best people. Um, one of the juniors here, she, she billed 36 and a half grand in March and yeah. been with us for seven months. And two of those came from referrals. Um, two of those, three placements, two of those came from referrals. And it's just like, that's what we want to see. You know, it's minimal. You're not having to put as much effort into it all. So 
you can have all the systems in the world, but unless you're doing the right things yourself, it's kind of kind of pointless, really. And, and yeah, even, yeah. On the, even on the CRM stuff, if you've not got the right people, the right contacts, the right data, the right companies that you mapped out, then it becomes pointless. So, mm. so I guess, no, 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 that, that was good. So I guess to tie this together then with everything that you've learned so far, what, what like if you was sitting down with me and I was someone that was early on in my sort of recruitment business journey or thinking about it at least and I was going to take that first step what what would you try and communicate to me I'd be like right get your vision and your values sorted out straight away make sure you understand your market um even there's tools like Fiverr now you can jump on you know Fiverr the 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 yeah so good yeah you can get in contact with someone you can give them a list of companies and get them to go and find those companies and send the spreadsheet back to you right like go on LinkedIn and, and do it all. So get your day. If you're setting up from scratch and you're doing it in a market that you know, obviously lean on the people that you know, but if you're doing new markets because you've got covenants, find out, map it out, get people to do the hard legwork for you because it's cheap. Get them on a get them on a good system. It's HubSpot's free to use as well. And then you can explore the different options that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then make life as work as efficiently as possible. So you're not having to do loads of legwork. You feel like it's taking too long or it's an arduous process and it probably is. So there's, there's, there's ways you can simplify it all. Um, but then honestly, just get, get to it, like work hard, focus, um, grind it out. That's what you've got to do when you're setting up the business. That's what the first years are so important. And really all it comes down to is the, is the money that you bring in, uh, for the future. And then everything else should fall into place. But if it is like that and you, you're doing it like a one-man band or there's two of you, get don't stop focusing on the on the clients and the candidates and getting making placements, basically. Yeah. But but plan for I love the future. That. Yeah. So how talk to me talk to me about how are you viewing the future? You can talk about you guys as a business, like where you want to see yourself in the next five years and how you also thinking about the sort of future of sort of the recruitment landscape and, and sort yeah, of yeah. the services that you're delivering as a business. Course, mate. So a few different points there, but I was really constantly looking at this. Right, this is just in the way we do stuff. We're always looking at think how we can make things better and better, and how we can do things more efficiently, and how we can even provide a better service to our to our customers. I was looking at this the other day, right, and I sat there with someone, and and the way we've always done it, our business is get people in and get them to do the three sixty recruitment role. Now that has to be the three sixty recruitment role has to be one of the hardest jobs in <laughs> the world, right? I'm not even messing. You have to do so many different angles and. And it's great. Listen, for experience to do that successfully, fair play. If anyone does that successfully, fair play to them. It's a tough job. You're balancing so many different things. Um, but for us as a business, we're looking at right now, what do our markets look at? And there's a lot of investment going into markets. When you get a lot of investment going in from venture capital companies, it means growth. Um, and a lot of companies are now popping up in our space, but perhaps you know don't have the, the sort of history that we have with it all. So the way we'll look to grow the business and how we'll really scale, the plan is to get to 50 heads in the next five years. And I think yeah. really where the scalability will come in for us is having the, the, like a, a core sales team of the people that we've got at the moment, right? Working on a more exclusive and retained basis. So everyone's going through retainer training at the moment over mm. the next um, couple of months to really to, to up our game on that side. And then, what the plans are is to build out a delivery team, basically. I'm probably giving away all the, all the secrets here, but the essentially you still have people doing 360, have a main sales team, but have a delivery team and give people the opportunity. In a market, in a market that's growing so much, candidates are gold, right? We know this. Yeah. So hire people who are great 
great with people who, who, who are interested, who are passionate, who people want to work with and create them, put them on a clear career path on how they can progress through the candidate side of it all, because that's going to be the gold. And I think you get really sharp, you know, ambitious people into that environment. You give them the opportunity to move into a sales role as well, but you level them up on the candidate side, teach them that side of it all. If they can build amazing relationships with senior candidates and they can go and do the client side, it's not, it's not really very different. Um, but have that constant funnel of people, junior people coming in, learning how to do it our way. And then as they become more senior, either lead a team of delivery people or move across into the sales side of the business. But you need yeah. to keep that, that engine. The problem we have is we can't find a lot of people that we want to hire. That's the difficulty. Um, so, but do, do you think, do you think sort of over the next couple of years, most recruitment businesses or most recruiters will either find themselves doing more of a focused client side role or candidate side, or do you think the sort of 360 where, which I was as well, and most people probably listen to this are in that sort of environment. Do you think that'll still exist? Yeah, I think it'll be the majority still in all honesty. I think um, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like as recruiters, we've got this mindset of like a little bit us against the world, which has changed a bit, but I'm 360. It's my clients, my candidates. I'm not mm. sharing. Whereas actually if you're, if you're really good at the BD side and landing clients, why not have support? You know, why not give give half of your fee away or however you structure it to the delivery team? Because you can still then yeah. focus on doing more and go out and get more clients. And that's when you go from a kind of 200K biller up to a 400, 500K biller. So you have to mm. open your mind and be ready for that. So yeah, it's answer your question. I think, I think it'll carry on. It'll stay for ages, but I think we'll have that for a while. But I think p- different skills align themselves to different aspects of the recruitment process, right? So, yeah. um, work, work to the strengths, find the people that, that can do the different roles and don't just turn someone down because you think they might be shy clients when they're great on candidates. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I've got some final questions for you. Okay. Before we finish. So first one is if you could change the industry, what would you improve? I'd, I, I saw that one question. The other thing about it. So what I'd do is, um, I'd, it's hard to explain, but I try and make every what the, the, the service levels a lot better, a lot more like people working with commitment. I'd never have people dropping fees just to get work. I'd really, I suppose it, it wouldn't say put barriers to entry into the recruitment market because it's stupid. That's the whole joy about it all, but up everyone's game, right? Provide mm. a better service, bring the reputation of the recruitment industry back to actually being a, a good service, consultative service, right? All the horror stories that you hear, it's that it made it bad. Listen, everyone does things different ways, right? But some of it's just awful. So I would I would try and remove all of the sharky, shysty stuff and put in great service, great delivery, good relationships, and and charging more, basically. Yeah, love that. So what um what book have you read recently, or maybe podcast you listened to, or maybe something you've watched recently that's that's had a had the biggest impact on you? Um the, most of the books I read are, are fiction books, so I'm, I'm, oh, wow, I'm not, okay, nice. Yeah, so I'm not really ma- ma- honestly, I'm not massive on the self help stuff. I listen to odd podcasts and stuff, but um, I find that it sounds weird, but you can learn a lot from actual like make believe stories. So yeah, yeah, for sure. But you, you, you take stuff. So, what book, what's your like? Yeah, what's the maybe like what? a really great fiction book that's like had a really lasting impact on you, maybe? Well, this is more about this is more about like just keeping positive. So there's a book called Catch Twenty Two. It's where the phrase Catch Twenty Two comes from, right? And it's just this yeah. mad like it's like a uh, it's like a it's a funny book, a satire they call it, right? It's yeah. just a fr- frantic book of the maddest story you've you've heard, and 
how these people in Italy are in the war and yeah, it's, there's, you can only get you can only you can only get out of flying in the war if you're insane. The only way you can declare be insane is if you declare yourself insane. But if you declare yourself insane, then you can't be insane, right? So that's, <laughs> that's the catch twenty two, and you've got these guys trying to get out of flying because the war's almost over. But it just kind of makes me realize is that like, listen, I suppose you know, life life life's too short not to to have fun and and be positive mm. and enjoy it and be grateful for everything that you have, but reading books like that, make maybe make, just make me kind of realize you, you got to have a bit of fun with life, right? You, you know, yeah. yeah. You get down you can focus on all the bad stuff. Like at the end of the day, that'll all disappear. You've got to focus on the things that, that, that kind of make you happy, make you have a laugh. But that's what I like. You read those types of books. It doesn't have to be depressing. That, that, that's, yeah. yeah. It, it I love keeps that. that mindset positive. I love that. Slightly, it's a slightly different one here then. What, what did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? Losing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think I bought anything. Mate. We were, I was in the oh, really? at the time. There was a good nightlife scene, mate. We had a good group of of, uh, of people we all used to go out with together, mate. So I was just, um, yeah, spending that on like clothes and booze, partying, basically. Fair enough. Final question: what What's the ultimate goal for your recruitment career? Um, for, uh, well, th- this might change in a couple of years. But at the moment, the ultimate goal for me is to create a business that is thriving where people really understand like what they what 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 they can achieve within our company and progressing people's careers within our business and creating future leaders making people a lot of money doing it and having an environment that is super positive that everyone's everyone's buzzing to come into work um and it's supportive of each other and i think creating that environment it's a goal isn't it it's like it's blue sky thinking but for me to have that set up, if you, if at five years time I was walking the office and, you know, there's 50 of us in there and everyone's buzzing, everyone's like talking about putting deposits on houses, what bought, holidays have taken, everyone's like really, and then I guess on top of that, that comes down to providing that perfect service and that great service and being, being, being like respected in the industry for doing what we do. But we have a lot of positive feedback from our clients and we just keep doing what we do and don't compromise on those standards. Um, and yeah, make sure everyone's enjoying it as well and have, have fun doing it. Like you can get down sometimes about it. You got to just keep positive, haven't you? And enjoy what, yeah. enjoy what you're doing basically. I love it. James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure to Take care, buddy. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.